Welcome back, fight fans. The Couchside judges are at it again and ready to break down some split decisions from UFC Apex on Saturday. A Tyron Woodley injury in the fifth round spared the judges the need to give Colby Covington a decision victory, technically his first finish in four years. But we had a majority draw in the co-headliner between Donald Cerrone and Nico Price that left plenty of viewers baffled. Nothing crazy about that one, Scott, even though one of us changed his mind about a close second round on second viewing. We'll talk about that round as well as a pair of other contested round twos in undercard splits. We also saw a ton of finishes, 10 out of 14 bouts in fact. So we'll give you our picks of our favorite moments of the fight ending violence one week before the UFC returns to Fight Island. So we'll get to the decisions later, uh, but first we do want to get to the main event and the fallout from that because of course this was a, an anticipated fight, probably a couple years too late, but nonetheless it happened. Uh, and Covington, as I said, he got a stoppage in the fifth round, but it was because of a rib injury. Uh, that Woodley suffered, we found out uh, on Sunday from some of the x-rays that, yeah, he must have, uh, he heard it at some point earlier in the fight, actually, and I guess it, the pain eventually just got too much to bear when he was kind of trying to go for that guillotine in the fifth round, right? I mean, that's tough. I, I, I gotta give him props. I mean, fighting through an injury, with, uh, especially a rib injury, that's gotta be tough. A rib injury's terrible. Right? I mean, his uh, breathing that's like, must that's have been your core. Up. Yeah, his breathing had to be bad, and going against a guy who has endless cardio, had to be tough, especially because he was already losing even before the injury happened. Like, I, I don't want to sit here and try to make excuses for like how Covington was able to beat him or whatever. Covington beat him. Colby beat him. It's it's so easy. Like this was we're, we're not talking about Woodley has lost four rounds here. He lost five rounds in his last fight and five rounds the previous fight. So he's on a 14 round losing streak before the fifth round where he got TKO'd by the injury. He's not looking good anymore, but. In that fourth round, though, this was another 10-8 round against Woodley here, right? Another 10-8 round. The judges were unanimous in this decision. I didn't go 10-8. Did you? No, I didn't either. And you know what? I definitely regret it because when I'm watching live, I know Covington's landing. I know he's busy. It didn't seem dominant in the sense of as he's landing. It's a, you know There were moments where he kind of heated up a little bit, but I think you're I'm looking for a higher level of damage, I guess, than what I was seeing live. And and it just wasn't kind of coming there. The duration was kind of off. You know, we're talking about those 3Ds. I didn't think it quite had hit that. But then you're looking at in the in the fifth round or between fourth and fifth round, I forget when they announced it, that the striking numbers were just so lopsided that Woodley, I think what he had only like two strikes landed in the whole round compared to, I don't know, it was like 80 or a hundred or something yeah. crazy like that total strikes. Uh, once you get up in that territory and the numbers aren't really supposed to dictate how a judge gives uh, his score because he doesn't have those, uh, those numbers available, but that's a huge disparity that I was totally neglecting. So I, I definitely regret not going 10, eight in hindsight. So it's uh, for me, this is a 10 8 round, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I don't regret not going 10 8. I'm happy to see everyone going 10 8. I didn't think Kobe was pushing for a finish, and not... I also I would agree there. Yeah, uh, he definitely had the damage, and I think he did have the duration. And uh, you know, well, the Wo dominance I think was the clear one. Also, Woodley was cut, I mean, bleeding from his eye from that elbow that Kobe landed. Mm -hmm. And no, that's true. Uh, I, I love seeing him go 10 8. I, I think, uh, them being more liberal with the 10 8 is being great and uh and i i i you know what i kind of i kind of wish i went 10 8 too because 
I want to see more 10-8s. It doesn't make sense why I wouldn't be giving more 10-8s. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think... I think anything we can do to differentiate rounds is a good thing. And, you know, you can only do it within the rules. And, you know, looking back again, in hindsight, the judges were absolutely within the rules to be able to, within the scoring criteria to go 10, eight here. And the fact that they all agreed, Sal D'Amato, Derek Cleary, and Mike Bell, you know, I mean, this is, this is really just a situation where you and I, who we watched it 10, nine, didn't give 10, eight. We need to recalibrate to what they're doing. You know, we, 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 I think you said this to me last night, uh, we, we probably gone from wanting everything to be a 10, eight to now we don't see enough 10, eights. Yeah. Our, our 10, eight has become a bit more stricter. Yeah. And I don't like it. I don't like it. This is, this is bad for us. We gotta, we gotta get, <laughs> we gotta get wacky again. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't want to go too far. It, it's admirable because these guys are doing it on first watch and you know, it's taken us, this you know, two, two, at least two viewings to come to that conclusion that we should have given it a 10, eight and yeah, you know, just shows how good these guys are. And, you know, I, I definitely gave Sal D'Amato some flack for the way he was giving out 10 eights in uh, last week's fights with this, with Sajara Eubanks. He didn't give a 10 eight in the second, but gave one in the third, which was of opposite of his judges that night. Uh, but credit to Sal. I think I think he's definitely back on the right page with these guys. These guys talk all the time. You know, I'm sure that it's a difficult challenge to make sure you see the same thing as two other completely different individuals. But here, no question. They got it right. Good job, boys. Yeah, good job. But uh, real quick, why don't we uh, discuss what's next in the welterweight picture for both these guys? Well, for Covington, honestly, the only thing I really want to see for him right away is Masvidal. And I know that there's resistance on, I, I think it's, is, is it Jorge doesn't want the fight, right? Probably Jorge doesn't want it. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I, I want Masvidal to take that fight. This is Let's not push this fight back a couple years later than it ought to have been, just like happened with this previous fight, where it ended up being something that could have been a pay-per-view, and then instead it was an ESPN Plus main event. A, a strong card, nonetheless, but you know this is something that very easily could have been hyped up and brought more eyeballs to the sport. And I, don't, I don't know what kind of ratings this thing's going to do, but it's... You know, I but think you they know missed what? the window. Let's not miss it with this one. You know, I I would I wouldn't mind seeing Covington versus Edwards or Covington versus Moss. You know, they touched a little bit on the broadcast. Leon Edwards, yeah, uh, I, I, Leon Edwards needs something. I I think any Covington fight sells. While his fighting style, if he had you know, if he didn't have this shtick outside of the cage, he wouldn't be where he is today. And I think people still want to see him fight. Either they want to see him lose, or they really want to see him win. It's hard to say what kind of draw he is as far as like, you know, saying he sells and everything like that. Because when uh, when you look at the ratings for the one he headlined against Robbie Lawler, that's actually one of the lowest rated ESPN events that they have had with UFC. But did he so, have a true beef with Robbie? Like the way he went after well, Tyron? No, no. Or the way he'd not, go after Masvidal? But if we're talking about him being a draw and him being a, a star, he shouldn't it shouldn't really matter. He should be able to bring in more people than the lowest tier. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's really hard to gauge. I think with him, obviously people talk about him, but just because they're talking about it doesn't mean they really want to watch him. And it's hard to say with him, you know, we, you know, we can, we can sit on the sidelines and guess, but I don't know. It's really hard to say. You got to look at things like, you know, Google traffic are, are good ways to kind of figure out and, and search results and these kind of things. That's a good way to figure out how, interesting or how much uh people are paying attention to the fighter like this so but that's hard to say nonetheless yeah covington Mosfidal, that's a fight you could put that as a pay-per-view headliner I, I you know without a gold on the line it doesn't need to be for the bmf belt or anything like that 
Yeah. So I, think, I would like to see that fight. I hope they do it. Five rounds. It has to be five rounds. I think this might be the backup if they can't put Nate versus Masvidal 2 together. I think that's the one they want or the, 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 hope, what they're working on. I hope they can do it. Who knows? I mean, we're just guessing here. But what about Woodley, though? Is there anything you want to see from Woodley? Or are you like me where you don't really want to see anything from Woodley anymore? You know what? If Woodley's going to keep fighting, give him someone like Michael Chiesa. You know, Chiesa's trying to make a name for him. See, see if he's like tier two of that division. Well, Willie's been fighting tier one guys. So see how he fares against a guy like that if he wants to keep fighting. Otherwise, I'd, I'd rather see him retire. Honestly, there's really nothing I want to see from Woodley anymore. And this is not, I'm not trying to, you know, kick a man when he's down. But we've, again, we haven't seen him win a round in several years. It's, <laughs> but he's been fighting. So I don't really know what he has to offer anymore. If he wants to keep fighting because he's being paid enough and he is satisfied with the compensation that he's getting, to get in there and get beaten pillar to post for five rounds, or maybe it'll only be three in the future. Fine. You can do it. I I don't tell, I'm not going to tell him what to do. He's not like suffering brain and traumatic brain injuries or anything like that, that we can tell, but he's not fun anymore. I don't want to watch him. It's not, it's just not an enjoyable experience to watch Tyron Woodley get beaten up by another good welterweight anymore. And I, I don't know how much more that's going to come out if he steps down the competition either. You know, is is him versus Kiesa going to be some sort of awesome barn burner fight on paper? No, no, no. I'm not saying I, I want to see it or I think it would sell or be a big, big draw of a fight. I'm saying if he wants to keep fighting, I think that's where he's got to go. Start going that level know, between I, I 10, 10 and set ranked like between like 10 and six, 10 and seven in that area where he is that because that's where he's been dropped to. This is a guy who's arguably, you know, the third best welterweight of all time, though. I mean, is that what we really want from him now? Or just I would say, Tyron, not that you're going to care what I say. You probably aren't even going to hear this. But, man, you've got other opportunities in life. You, you're a success. I hope you can pursue those to make your money and do your thing. Because, honestly, I just it's getting hard to watch uh, these fights. They're just they're just not enjoyable anymore. Yeah. I'll just I'll say this. At least he's not going the Chuckle Dell route of getting knocked out every single time he goes out there. Well, no, I mean I agree. I mean I, that's what I said before. Is just like at least it's not you know traumatic brain injuries being suffered. But I mean <laughs> this is almost it's it's worse for everyone but Woodley because Woodley yes he's not his brain is not being damaged and I'm thankful for that because I I am sensitive to that in this sport you know we watch it. And we know it's a part of it, but it's not something you want to see. But I mean, at least <laughs> in the in the kind of uh, selfish uh, sociopathic way to look at it, at least Chuck Liddell was fun to watch all the way through. the <laughs> end. <laughs> That's true. I'm... Let's move on. We've got some contested rounds to get to, Dan. Let's start with that co-main event I mentioned with uh, with Donald Cerrone and Nico Price. They ended in a majority draw and no one's mad that this fight was a draw. What they're mad about is that one of the judges actually saw a winner. And this is weird. You don't usually see that, right? No, not, not well. It would have been, a, I guess, a split uh, decision win for, not a split decision. It would have been a 29-28 win for Price. Well, if, yeah. No, so. it would have it would have been a split decision win for Nico Price if he hadn't lost a point for first-round eye pokes. He had two first-round eye pokes. That good job by Jason Herzog jumping in early. On the second poke is when he deducted a point. Thank goodness. I, I'm really appreciative of, of uh, Jason Herzog for doing mm-hmm. that because, yeah, as, as you've heard me before, I joke about you get two free eye pokes before uh, before a point deduction. In this case, it was only one. So uh, good job by that. I, I would like to see it more. Yeah, quick trigger. 
But anyway, yeah. So if, if it wasn't for the eye poke, if if there were no fouls, then in this fight, Nico Price would have won a split decision. But as it stood, he lost the points and it ended up being uh, 28-28 two times for Price. Or well, not for Price, but for none of them. And then Donald Cerrone won 29-27. And that was actually the card you and I scored. That's exactly the card we scored. But I flipped after I watched it. Uh, I did not flip. Uh, I'm sticking with Cerrone. So what did you see? Let, let's start with you, because you, you obviously we ended up in the same place the first time. But what did you see about Cerrone the same way that Eric Cologne did, presumably, who gave the round two to Cerrone as well? Super close round. I just thought everything Cerrone landed got a better reaction. I, you know, uh, Price's head was snapping back. He was landing good body shots throughout the round. And I thought everything that Price was landing just wasn't as strong, even if he had a slight, you know, volume uh, advantage. I, that's what I saw too, watching live and, you know, judge watching live. That's what they can go by. You know, we're not judges. We're watching at home, but I ended up watching it again today and I was trying to watch closely just to make sure, you know, there wasn't something I was missing the first time. And you know what, honestly watching again, I really did think that a lot of those lands from cowboy that I thought were producing really good reactions and and were landing well. It looked like Price took him pretty good and just kind of kept coming. He was not really deterred. That was a sign to me that he was not being impacted by them nearly as much. It wasn't just that he was walking him down, but he was walking him down and also landing well, too, because he did have the volume. And it was especially the volume of the kicks, which I didn't think they were super impactful kicks. You know, these weren't kicks that were obviously limiting Cowboys movement, but it was a difference maker. Uh, they they kind of felt like slaps to me. They weren't like those good thud kicks, like you mentioned. Sure, sure, but they're they're landing. I mean, and it was sure. it was a good disparity in strikes landing. And and also on top of that, I did think that Price was landing better. So maybe it could be you know maybe Price just doesn't wear damage well. We saw in the Luke fight, his eye was completely swollen shut. We saw his eye was starting to head in that direction a little bit here in this round after an elbow, and it just looked like his face was a bit more battered than. You know, not, I'm not saying Cerrone came out of that clean because he, he looked uh, pretty not that great also, but Price wasn't looking so well on his... He wasn't wearing his damage well. I mean, for someone like you who loves the Diaz brothers who don't wear damage very well either, I think you can understand how that's not necessarily a sign that of what's happening in the fight. It can be, but it's not necessarily. Yeah, but it's, it's still it's still a good, uh, a good in- indicator of strikes that are landing pretty strong. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, again, I you know... Even after switching over to uh, Nico Price for this round, the same way that Ron McCarthy and Chris Lee had it, I don't think it's egregious to go for Cowboy here. But a lot of people were giving, uh, you know, you and I, well, at least me, uh, some flack about going for Cerrone here, and I didn't think it was that egregious. And even on the second watch, I I, I flipped, but I don't think it's crazy to think that fight that round could have gone either way. I, it's a round. I don't think you can be too upset one way or the other. No, and, and ultimately it ended up being a draw. Uh, you and I would have been in the minority here if we had stepped in for Eric Cologne, who also was in the minority here. And, you know, it is what it is. It, it's a draw. It would have been a, a win for Price, but, <laughs> I mean, you saw how jacked up Price was. He loved that he got a draw. He, he, I never saw anybody so well, excited to get a draw. You know how I took that? I said, okay, he knows he lost a point. If he gets a draw, that means he actually really would have won had he not got a point taken so in his mind i think he's taking it as a win yeah but cowboy knows that he lost out on his win bonus so he's he's not happy yeah well yeah cowboy loves that money 
Well, they all do. Yeah. I love money. I need money. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on. We've got we've got a couple more splits we want to get to. There was Kevin Holland earlier on the card against Darren Stewart. Again, split decision here. Not a majority draw like the other one. Split decision. Natural split decision. Round two, again, was the swing round here. And you and I both had 10-9 for Holland the same way Sal D'Amato and Eric Cologne did. We're seeing everything like Eric Cologne here, right? Uh, but it was <laughs> Ron McCarthy. Was that? We are from New Jersey. We are. Jersey represent. Uh, <laughs> but Ron McCarthy was uh, the dissenter here. He gave a 10-9 to Darren Stewart. What did you think of the case for Stewart here? You know what? I think maybe there's some potential for that 10-finger guillotine front headlock position that Stewart had for a bit. But I didn't see uh, no, it that I threatening. I, didn't I see disagree. It, I didn't see it threatening at all. So I, I, that, mm -hmm. didn't, that didn't weigh in my decision. I'm just trying no. to think of things potentially what could have given it to Stewart. I, I don't know. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, obviously that would be a question for Ron McCarthy to answer why it was he went that way or not. The things for me that, first off, this was a, a strange round overall because we had in the first few minutes, Stewart landed a punch to the bottom of Holland's foot while Holland was lying on his back and Stewart was standing. That was bizarre. I thought Holland won that exchange when Dom Cruz was asking, how are the judges scoring this? I'm like, Holland's getting the reaction. His legs getting sent all the way across past his center line every time he landed it. Correct, and that's that's another reason why you look at that as okay. You know, Holland's kind of starting to win some of this exchange here, but then later on, you know, he he landed some really good stiff kicks that just were thudding there, right? Yeah, Holland he really started to pull away. He had higher volume, mm -hmm. stronger strikes, uh... better impact, everything, everything. Honestly, I thought he had the total package here. I didn't think there was a very strong case for Darren Stewart in this round. I don't. I wouldn't say it was awful to go that way, but this is not a strong argument if you ask me. No, yeah, I'm j I'm just gonna disagree and go. Yeah, the right guy won. That that's that's, that's the feel, basis yeah. here is is the right guy won. We can always be happy for that, even if we think a round didn't go the right way. It's like they always say, this is why there's three judges, you know? You know what's funny about this? I caught a little bit of flack like you caught in the cowboy fight for round one yeah. of this. And why? You, you, who do you see it for? Stewart? I saw I saw it for Holland. I, and someone told well, me that's I, the way to do it. He told me I was crazy. And then the judges came out. They were united on on round one. But before I saw the scorecard, I said, all right, well, got some dissent there. Perhaps one round one was the swing round. But no, but it was no, not. That, no, that guy was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another split decision here. And I think this was our, our final split decision of the evening. It was Andre Yule early in the prelims of, of 14 fights. What a, what a long card this was. Actually, it was, I thought it was a fun card. But anyway. Yeah, good card. Early in the night, we had Andre Yule getting the split nod over Erwin Rivera. Who did you give round two to? This was the this was the deciding round. Yeah, I went with Yule. Solid strikes, mm -hmm. competitive round for sure. It was but the thing that that stood out to me was Rivera was every time he initiated, Yule answered back in two, three, four punch combos. While every time, even when Rivera was throwing combos himself, it was the better combos were coming in response. Right, he was he was he was firing right back, and anytime Yule would initiate the uh, the strikes, Rivera didn't really respond. He just kind of covered up, took him, reset, and then you know he would come back. And that's you know as a judge, you my understanding is that you want to see that response to come back, and you know you don't want to just take these strikes if you can throw back and give as bet give as well as you took or even uh even better which is what i thought i was seeing from yule 
that's going to win you the round. Yeah. So it was it was a little surprising when uh, it was Junichiro Camillo gave this round to Rivera, uh, whereas Dave Hagen and Mike Bell they were the ones who gave it to Yule, just as you and I did. We I I also had Yule in this round. Uh, I don't think it's an awful score. I didn't think it was a razor thin round, but I don't think it's crazy to go Rivera here. No, it was competitive for because sure. it was competitive, yeah. uh, close enough. And Rivera, you know, when he would land, he was landing hard too. Yeah. Round three, though, I do want to bring this up, even though this wasn't a swing round at all. This was all three judges gave it 10-9 Rivera here. But you and I both, as I understand, gave this one to Yule, right? Yeah, we were completely different than all three judges. And there were a, a lot of media scores. And not a, not all media scores are things that we should take as as a bond here. You know, we don't, we don't speak to all the media members that submit their scores to uh, MMA decisions. I don't know what their level of understanding of the criteria is. I'm sure it kind of varies from, yeah, I know it to, eh, I'm just doing my own thing. But I thought this was not like a clear round for Yule, but I thought it was a good round for Yule. I thought this was a 30-27 all the way. And I watched it again day later. Same, same, uh, same reaction. Yeah, I watched it twice as well. I still score it for Yule. Every strike he landed was clean. And he landed more of them. I mean, Rivera, he did land some big head strikes. And I'm not going to say he didn't you know, keep it close here, but I just didn't think it was that close. The only thing I can imagine is that the takedown with the big follow-up elbows right at the, what was it? Like in the last five, seven seconds of the fight, it was a really good finish and it was a really strong finish in, in what probably was the closest round out of three. If you ask me, you know, maybe he gets there 30 seconds left in a round. We go for Rivera. Yeah, it maybe. just wasn't there. Especially the way enough. he was landing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he really poured it on really quick. But it, you know, that was obviously a quick burst, knowing that it was the end of the round. So yeah, that's true. I too. don't know. I mean, I was, I was definitely surprised when this was a split decision. I was I very surprised. Was, yeah, I just thought it was going to be, you know, potentially a, you know, someone would have twenty nine, twenty eight, mostly thirty, twenty sevens, and uh, it didn't go that way. But again, I think the right guy won here. Uh, but I, I am, I am interested as to what the rationale was for Rivera in round three. I, I'd love to find that answer out. Yeah, maybe we should. Um, we not should, we not should that the judges that. are wrong, but I want to know why they went that way so that hopefully I can understand better. Yeah, I mean, it help, helps us. You know, we, we're trying to learn as well. Absolutely. Uh, we do have one round for the 10-8 watch, and the 10-8 watch, of course, being, you know, whether it was a should it have gone 10-8 or not, unlike the other round we talked about in Covington, which was a clear 10-8, there was disagreement among the judges in round two of Jessica Rose Clark getting the TKO round three victory over Sarah Alpar round two. Everything was round two for us tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, how did you have round two here? Did you go and Clark won all these rounds? Clark was dominated this fight the whole way, but what did you see in round two? Was it a 10, nine or 10, eight? I scored a 10, nine. I, yeah, same here. I see a, a small case for a 10, eight for the way she finished that last 45 seconds, especially, I guess you can see some damage, some duration there. To give it plus Sal was sitting right there in front where that fight was. Yeah, happening. Sal D'Amato who gave the 10 8. He was sitting right there, so maybe he saw something different than we did. Also, Alpar Absolutely. had Alpar had zero effective offense this entire fight, and that is another thing that again we we talked about this in the Woodley round here. If, if you're not putting on much of a fight, it makes it a lot easier for a judge to say, Well, you know, there's domination there. That's yeah, that's kind of approaching 10 8. If you already have damage and then you got domination, then you only need two D's to consider a 10 8. So that's how absolutely it's totally viable that Sal D'Amato went 10-8 here and could have disagreed with his uh, his fellow judges in this one, which is Chris Lee 
and Derek Cleary. We had the three most veteran uh, or three most prolific, I should say, judges uh, in the world on this one. So I think I think it's OK to go 10-8 here. I think one of the problems, though, just with the fact that and this is a criteria issue, is the fact that judges are allowed to consider a 10-8 once it gets to two out of three Ds, but that they should do a 10-8 if it's all three. Because what that means is that they're allowing for the fact that splits on 10-8s and 10-9s are just going to happen. It's it's actually kind of built in and maybe not encouraged, but it's it's kind of a weird little quirk in the scoring. Which is weird because there are three Ds and there's three different scores you can give. So you can probably write something in there saying, okay, if one of the fighters accomplishes one D, that's minus one point for the fighter that's losing. If they accomplish ten nine, yeah. If they accomplish two Ds, that's minus two points. And if they accomplish all three, that's minus three points. For a ten eight and a ten seven. I mean, yeah, that's that's what our system is for uh the couchside judges scoring system we use in past judgment. Uh and it makes, I mean, to me, it makes a lot more sense that you would just assign something more strict like that. It's its just weird that we get in these situations where it's like, well, I mean, I mean, how many people are honestly caring as much as we do probably? But like, if I'm a fighter and I want to know how I can definitely get a 10-8, which I think more judge, uh, I think more fighters really ought to be asking that, it should be a lot more concrete. Yeah, there's a lot of subjectivity in, in the criteria. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, this, again, kind of could have gone either way didn't impact the result of the fight because in round three we had kind of not just one but two tkos correct dan yes we had two tkos in this fight it was really strange uh chris tayoni was the referee again unfortunately for him uh he had some controversy last week and some more this week with this fight two weeks in a row for chris after such a really strong summer he had too it's a shame so i'm under the impression or that the way replay is used is it can be used for a fight finishing sequence. So that tells me the fight's over and he's just determining whether this fight was legal or illegal to de- declare a, a DQ or a no contest or a TKO. And we saw it was a clear legal knee. Alpar wasn't yeah, actually, down. Honestly, yeah, Jessica Rose Clark took a got a break here because it looked like Alpar was just going to sit out on the floor. And if that happened and she ate the knee, that would have been illegal. But Somehow her butt just hovered over the mat against the cage enough so that Clark, when she landed that knee, it was legal. So she caught a break, but it was legal. It was a legal strike. And I mean, I guess we'll have to get clarification on why Tyone said, all right, are you okay to continue and let it continue? She took a beating for the next however many minutes and then was finished uh, for the second time in the fight. It was a very strange situation. I, it seems to me that, yeah, this fight should have been stopped once that was looked into it was decided to be a legal strike and if it was a legal strike and she stopped the fight that's it end of story i don't know but yeah so that's what that's what i mean two tkos essentially you know only one went down but very weird end sequence and unfortunate uh to happen two weeks in a row to again who we thought was such a very strong judge this summer and chris tanioni that doesn't take away from his abilities in general you know the refs are more than their you know a couple of their most recent you know, mistakes, if you want to call it that. Uh, but yeah, it's not a good look. It's unfortunate, but we won't be back in Vegas for a little while. Yeah. On to fight Island. But before we go there, let's also talk about some of the, you know, undisputed fights, give credit where it's due to the judges who got everything correct. Uh, David Dvorak. This was the only other decision we had on the card. Unanimous 30, 27s over Jordan Espinoza at the flyweight division. 
no arguments there. In the first round of Tyson Nam's TKO victory in the second round, round one actually went to his opponent, Jerome Rivera, based especially on the leg kicks, right? Yeah, and uh, Nam was able to take him out in the second round. He was behind on the scorecards, went out there and got himself a finish. I love Tyson Nam. He's, he's yeah. fun to watch. And then, of course, the, the epic comeback by Damon Jackson. Uh, or is that Damon Martin? I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Shout out to Damon Martin at MMA Fighting. Uh, but Damon Jackson getting the guillotine in the third round against Mirsad Bektic after losing each of the first two rounds. All the judges agreed there. Yeah, had another comeback victory. Sub him out. And that was one of 10 finishes that we had on the... Well, those were two of 10 finishes, I should say, uh, on the evening. We had six in the first round, six by TKO or KO, and four subs, right? What was your favorite? Uh, no doubt here. Mackenzie Dern, first round armbar of Randa Marcos. You will always pick a sub. You know why this one was my favorite? Is because Mackenzie Dern used an omoplata to transition into a triangle, and then she used it. She went back to the omoplata to use it as a sweep into an armbar attack, and the omoplata is so versatile. It may not finish fights, but it's going to get you to a fight finishing uh, position. You do love the omoplata. She used it so beautifully. (laughs) But what about you? Oh, come on. How how can you pick anything else but Hamzat Chimaev flooring Gerald Mershart with one punch in 17 seconds after all the hand-wringing about, oh, you know, should we be lining up the next opponent for for Hazmat here in in Fight Island because he's scheduled to fight Damian Maya in Fight Island in the next few weeks, which God, I really hope doesn't happen. Please leave Damian Maya alone. I'm scared. He doesn't need this fight right now. He's 42 years old. He's going to go against this buzzsaw of a man here. That I didn't know he had striking. No one knew. No, we didn't think of him as a stand-up KO artist. And, and look what he did. He took out a respected middleweight with one punch. A hallway class. It was, it was like if, if you were an amateur fight watcher, right? Let's, let's say you were a fight fan who like never tuned in and you were one of these ignorant people that's like, oh, yeah, probably these fights are fixed and stuff. You would tune into this and be like, no, that guy, he took a dive. No <laughs> effing way. No effing way. That dude hits hard. No, I do not want to stars. take a punch from Hazmat right now. Yeah, he was t- he was seeing stars. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, we're talking about someone who has power at 185 pounds, and he fights at 170 probably more comfortably, which is where he's supposed to fight Maya next. So God, I again, I really hope that falls through. It's such a mismatch. I, I, I'd rather give a Magny, Ma- Neil Magny. That would be interesting. I think that would actually be a really cool one. But you know, probably we're gonna get Damian Maya, Maya get slaughtered here. You know, God willing, he, he actually puts up some sort of fight and 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 oh, gets, submits him. Who knows? Oh, Damien Maya uh, gonna get slaughtered. Oh God! <laughs> but if it goes to the ground, I'm very curious to see how that goes there. I would like to see how it goes, but I I have a feeling that the strength is gonna be too much for uh, Maya here. Yeah, definitely possible. We'll see, but you know, again, out of all the finishes, it, it's got to be Chimaev, who's just an amazing prospect, and and. He he builds hype more and more as he goes on, and it's crazy. We didn't even know who this guy was at the beginning of the summer. Yeah, supposedly he went to Fight Island hoping to be a replacement. That's what I heard. Wild, wild. I can't wait to watch him as he continues to grow. And that does it for another post-fight edition of the Couchside Judges. We're back again Friday to look ahead to UFC 253 when Israel Adesanya defends the middleweight belt against Paulo Costa and the light heavyweight division crowns a new champ at Fight Island. Keep an eye on social media for more plans for that episode. 
you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana. And my DMs are open. Find me on Twitter as well at Dan Urban MMA. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thanks, everybody. Later, guys. Later, guys.